Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. It's time for Compassion Radio 360, the way we wrap up every week. Mm-hmm. We usually have an inspiring story of somebody that does something above and beyond the call of duty. Today's story is very much in that vein. Yes. Thank you for joining me for this. And if you would, introduce the story, and we'll talk about this particular woman's life. This story is about a nurse and a young girl. The nurse's name is Katrina Mullen. Katrina worked in a NICU, and a young gal came in pregnant, about ready to give birth to triplets. Triplets. And the young gal was 14. 14-year-old 14 in the NICU with triplets on the way. Yeah. So a tragedy and a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. So a very sad story to start with. Yeah. Katrina, the nurse, took notice of this. Yeah. Okay, so who was yeah. with this young girl? No one. Nobody. She comes in alone. The babies were born at 26 weeks. So mm, halfway if through. you know, yeah. 40 weeks is the typical pregnancy length, and these were well before that which is common for multiple births like that. These babies were in the NICU and connected to all of the machines. They had breathing apparatus going for them because their lungs were not fully developed. They had heart monitors. They had brain activity monitors, the whole gamut. And they were in these incubators. And Katrina thought, this is scary for grown-up people, for Mm -hmm. adults to come in and this be their baby's lot. But for a girl who came in by herself to give birth, This is probably very scary. So I'm going to just go and be with her and explain all of this stuff that's going on to her babies. So she did that. She sat with her and showed her how to hold babies, how to take care of babies, talked about feeding them, talked about changing their diapers, putting them to bed, all these things that as a first-time mom, you want to know. I remember myself at 32 giving birth for the first time. I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much to do with this baby that I don't know how to do. And remember, the context of the story is this is a NICU. This is preemie babies. This didn't just happen in an evening. These babies are going to need weeks and months mm-hmm. of intensive care just to survive, much less to thrive. They ended up being in the NICU for five months. Five months so, in the NICU. So during that time, this nurse poured herself into the mom helped her with whatever questions she had. And when Shariah took the babies home, Katrina gave her her personal phone number and said, you call me if you have any questions. Did anybody in her family ever bother to get involved during those months? It didn't say in the article, but it appears that was not the case, that there was no involvement with family at all. So who do you think she was living with? Well, she went home with an aunt was there for quite a while, actually. Katrina took a great notice in this, not only because she was a compassionate nurse, but also because she had herself been a teenage mom. Mm. And so she knew the difficulty that this young gal faced. Even just if you had one child. Absolutely. So when Shariah went home with the babies, Katrina knew that there's going to be questions, which happened. Yeah. I'm glad this girl called her. How would you not have a bond, though, with that person after five months of intensive care? Yeah, yeah. She was concerned about one of the babies that had a really hard time growing even Mm. during the time they were in the the NICU. The thriving index idea. Right. Uh, So she was concerned about that as the babies went home with their mom. She was not prepared for what was happening next. A few months in, the small baby that was not thriving well was taken back into the hospital, not gaining weight. So Shariah is back at the hospital now with this baby. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I imagine all the rest of them were with her too. Probably, yeah. Did this nurse then have an opportunity to minister again to that same child? Well, she wasn't there Hmm. when Shariah took the baby back to the hospital. But Child Protective Services was called. They came in and assessed the situation that she could not take care of these babies. They would all have to go into foster care, including Mm. the mom, because she was underage. Right. But not together, probably. Probably not. Yeah. So we're facing a situation where this teenage mother, with no support, no family around her, is about to lose all of her kids Mm -hmm. at the same time. And she's about to lose her independence and her ability to do anything about it. It's about to all be flushed away. Mm -hmm. The social worker says to Shariah, is there anyone we can call? Anyone that can help you? If not, you're going to have to go into foster care and the babies will be taken into foster care as well. The one phone number that she had Mm -hmm. was Katrina's. She gave that to the social worker. The social worker calls Katrina and tells her the situation. And immediately, without hesitation, Katrina says, I'll take them, Mm. all four of them, in my home. Well, Katrina has been a single mom for most of her life. And she had younger children at home even at this time. But she knew she had to provide a home for them. You're not just offering to be a foster mother. You're offering to be a foster grandmother. Exactly. You're taking in two generations of people without even a second thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Katrina, after a year or so of them being in foster care in her home, adopted the mom, now is her mother officially, and grandmother to these three babies. They're toddlers now. And they're doing well and thriving, happy. And there's a video of them in this article and they're running around playing and trying to get their shoes on and having a great time. And it's beautiful to see this happy ending to this story. Happy in the sense that the right thing happened here. The children, especially the children, they had no say whatsoever in the way they came into this world. Hmm. And for whatever reason, God chose for them to be born to this young mother. And for that whole situation to be dumped in the lap of this young nurse who had a similar story. Mm -hmm. So God knows these things. But it seems conspicuous to me that Katrina, this nurse, didn't just have compassion or empathy. She had a mission. There was something about her experience which probably said, if I had just had Mm -hmm. when I was young. So what do you think was going on in Katrina's mind and heart during this time? Oh, wow. She says in the article that she wanted to give this young gal opportunities. Mm. Just like you said, she wished that she had had a different life, Mm. you know, that that it had been different for her when she was younger. But she had support Mm -hmm. in that she was able to raise her child and other children now that she has and finish her schooling. Obviously, she went on to nursing school and has been nursing for several years now and is a highly respected nurse in the NICU at this hospital. And the experience we have with our friends who work in the NICU, this is not a low-stress job. No, no. In fact, one of the NICU nurses that we know is on the evacuation teams that fly in the helicopters to go rescue infants and high-risk pregnancies that are on the brink of death, resuscitate them at the scene. They go there Mm -hmm. by helicopter or plane if necessary to get them back to the hospital immediately. Mm -hmm. The stakes are high. So every NICU nurse, I think, understands that everything they do is life and death. Mm -hmm. So what happened with this new life of hers? Shariah finished high school, graduated with honors. Neat receive scholarships to go to university. Hmm. She's paying it forward by studying social work. And she wants people to know that if she can do this, anyone can do this. You know, she talks about being a mom and being successful in this. Katrina put it great in her own words. This is a success story. 
This isn't my story. This is Shariah's story. Hmm. She's a success because she was determined. All she needed was a boost. All she needed was a safe place to be with her children. And she had none of that when she started the story. She was a victim of all kinds of things, circumstances in life, and being obviously abused by somebody at a young age. Mm -hmm. Nothing about the story at the beginning of it, with the merits of the story itself, would indicate that there's going to be a success, so to speak, at the end of this. Yeah. And yet someone sees her and doesn't just come to her aid, but builds a relationship with her. Those five months in that intensive care for all those babies... All four of those children, the mother and the triplets, are being cared for in ways that Shariah would never have expected she could have been cared for. Mm-hmm. And Katrina becomes a totem for her, a place yeah. of safety, the thing she goes to every time. And that's not a bad thing. This is how we live life to its fullest, really. Mm-hmm. This girl learned how to trust somebody that really cared for her. Mm-hmm. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and relief partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. Someone sees her and doesn't just come to her aid, but builds a relationship with her. Those five months in that intensive care for all those babies, all four of those children, the mother and the triplets, are being cared for in ways that Shariah would never have expected she could have been cared for. Mm-hmm. And Katrina becomes a totem for her, a place yeah. of safety, the thing she goes to every time. And that's not a bad thing. This is how we live life to its fullest, really. Mm -hmm. This girl learned how to trust somebody that really cared for her. Mm -hmm. When I read this story, I felt overwhelmed because Mm -hmm. I thought, this is happening all over our country. The good news stories or just the situation? The situation. There are thousands of teenage moms that are stuck in situations that have been abused and are carrying children and are becoming moms before they even should, before they are really able to be moms. Before they even know what it means to be a woman. Right. And there needs to be more people like Katrina. Hmm. You know, you're saying, oh, it's overwhelming. We can't take care of this. But Jesus says, when you do it to one, you've done this for me. When you have helped one person, when you have fed, clothed, taken in one You've helped Jesus. It's interesting that when Jesus says this, he's speaking to a crowd. He's saying to all of you people, they could interpret Jesus' words as saying, we together are being called to live this way. Well, yeah, we are. 
But when you strip it down to the essentials, if there was only one person in the room, he'd still be saying the same sermon. Mm-hmm. If you can perceive someone that I love and do something about it, I mean, the rewards of heaven are waiting for you. And I'll be there to cheer you on to the finish line, and I'll be there to receive you. That's what Jesus says. He says it's that eternal. It begins right now, and the good stuff keeps happening from here and into eternity. Mm-hmm. So what's the appeal that we would make then? Obviously, we're not going to be trying to demand that every single person that hears us right now would go out and adopt somebody. Right. Or that they have the skills to do so. But somehow we got to get this ethic built and rebuilt again into us as the body of Christ. That Somehow, if at least together in teams, and some of us more specifically on point as specific givers of life, the givers of family, the builders of generations, would step forward and do what Katrina, this NICU nurse, did, that the world can truly be different. Mm-hmm. We think that it's impossible for us to make a difference. We think, what can I do? How can I help this situation? How can I make this any better? It's mm. too big. It's too huge. But Jesus isn't saying, go out and change the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, when you saw a brother or sister hungry or cold, When you saw someone in need and you helped them, whatever you do, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Mm -hmm. He's not saying, go feed the 5,000. That's his job. (laughs) He's saying the least of these, just one. Maybe not saying, bring them into your home, but somehow support them, somehow help them. Even a kind word, Mm. even a non-judgmental spirit toward people. I remember when we had our youngest and I was in my 40s, so I was an older mom. We also had a 13-year-old daughter at the time. And I went to the grocery store one day and he was fussy, didn't want to stay in the grocery cart. So I said to our daughter, would you just take him and walk around the store with him because he needs to not be in the grocery cart? So she did that. And I was shopping and I, you know, I'll meet you up front when I'm done. And someone in the grocery store saw her carrying this baby around and stopped her dead in her tracks and just said, how awful to be a teenage mom to our daughter, to her face without having any context, without having any idea what was going on. And our daughter just broke down. She was so hurt by that and couldn't even say, this is my brother. She had no opportunity to defend herself or anything. But this person was just immediately judgmental of her. I fear that often that's where we go first. We judge a person based on what we see without knowing anything about their story. And when you say we... You're saying, we the body? Yes. Or we the several people? Any one of us could respond that way if we're not really thinking about the consequences of our own words or our own feelings. Absolutely. What if she had been a teenage mom and that was her baby? So what when it comes to facing her? Yeah. 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 There's still no reason to make that kind of statement to someone Mm. ever. I'm sorry. There's not a place for that at all. Jesus says we don't look at the outside. We have to look deeper than that. As believers in Jesus, we have to trust the Holy Spirit in us to help us see deeper than what the surface shows us, because there's always, always a story. And Katrina is a prime example of that. Mm -hmm. Not only is she a NICU nurse that has the talent and the skill set and the trained empathy, really, to deal with situations like Shariah's, but she knows what it's like to be judged. Mm-hmm. There are so many scriptures that we could wrap this up with. And you just pulled one particular one, which goes to the heart of Jesus, a message to his followers and those who might be become his followers, mm-hmm. how he is going to respond personally to people's intentionality, 
the way they act and the way they have treated people they didn't know the story of. Mm -hmm. But Jesus does. It seems like from the scripture, and we'll read it again, that he's looking at how well we followed him even when we don't know. Not that, oh, now that I understand the context of the situation, I can then make a choice that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And I'm not required to be appropriate for somebody else who's a bad person. Jesus, I think, is very specifically saying, you don't know. Mm -hmm. But I'm proud of you when you do, when you do the thing, not just when you know. Yeah. Matthew 25, the king will say to those on his right, come here, you beloved, you people whom my father has blessed. Claim your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of creation. You will be richly rewarded for when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was alone as a stranger and you welcomed me into your home and into your life. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear, sick and you tended to my needs. I was in prison and you comforted me. Even the righteous will not have achieved perfect understanding and will not recall these things. And they'll say, Master, when did we find you hungry and give you food or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we find you a stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? When did we find you sick and nurse you to health or visit you when you were in prison? And the king will turn to them and say, I tell you this, whenever you saw a brother or a sister hungry or cold, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. You didn't just do it for me. And there are other translations that use that word instead. In other words, Jesus is saying, I feel it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in a situation where you're really thirsty and there's only so much water to go around and the bottle's being passed around a group? You can see two or three people ahead of you taking gulps of cold water. By the time the bottle even gets to you, you have already felt that coldness in your throat. <laughs> You're anticipating it so much. I can't help but think that when Jesus empathizes with his people, his children, that he doesn't literally sense the kindness of others touching those people. Mm. That Jesus himself is relieved, literally. His suffering is mended. It is tended to. The suffering he chose to give for us. We talk about Jesus being eternally crucified. What a horrible statement, but a holistic reality that he is literally suffering for us throughout eternity, and we gladly do so because he wants us that bad. When we take notice of a young single mother, and we don't just do the right thing, but we do it from a whole heart of compassion. We haven't just figuratively been good and God rewards us, but we have literally ministered to Jesus. Who among us that claim to be followers of Christ would not relish the opportunity to actually literally touch Jesus and soothe him? Mm -hmm. Jesus is not speaking figuratively here. He's literally laying it on the line and saying, this is who I am. Yeah. Jesus calls us to do hard things. And he calls us to step outside of our comfort zone, outside of our comfortable skin, and put ourselves in the place of others. That's exactly what he did when he came he put skin on. Mm -hmm. He stepped outside of his glory and put skin on to experience life exactly as we do. I think it's important for us to do the same thing. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. To step outside of our skin, put ourselves into the place of those that we see on the side of the road begging for money, mm. people living in tents under a bridge, teenage girls carrying babies in a grocery store. Those people that we think are the other, mm. 
put ourselves in the place of understanding or seeing, just seeing, and know and believe that when we reach out and touch those people, we touch the face of God. That's the truth. That is the scriptural truth. And Katrina, the subject of the story, yes, she's well-trained, and yes, she has reason to be compassionate to this young lady because she knows what it's like to be one and be stuck. But it was the natural thing for her to do, too, to step right in there because she has that experience. And I think it's going to be really odd or weird for us to step in maybe the first time to be functionally compassionate, to actually do something for somebody and not be just patronizing just be pitying of other people, but really to, at that very first time, to engage with somebody saying, I'm glad I met this person. Mm -hmm. I'm better for it. And thank you, God, for bringing that person. Yeah. Because from that point forward, the Spirit of God comes alive in you, I think, and looks for those opportunities because they know something special is going to happen. And the reward is great Mm -hmm. right here and right now, not to even speak of what Jesus promised us in the days to come. But it's just the beginning of good things. It's not the draining of all the good stuff out of us. It's the pouring in of all the good stuff we want to have and pour out for others. If you want to have a full cup, I think the scripture is very clear, empty it. You want to have a cup full of clean, clear water, you want to be able to give that to others, you got to let God fill you up and keep pouring it out. Mm-hmm. Don't get stagnant. And I think that would be my hope when people listening to this program as Compassion Radio, that we stand with you in whatever God's calling you to do right here, right now, to make a difference where you are, and to pray for opportunities, to ask God, what can I see? What can I do? What can I experience? How do I minister to you today? And look for those opportunities. I think we're richer for it. Yeah. I throw a word of caution in here, though. When you do this. <laughs> These are the kind of prayers God tends to answer, yes. Your heart could be broken. Yes, it can. But that's okay. And that, I think, is a great way to wrap up Compassion Radio's 360 for this week. We'll see you next Monday for the next Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word, where we'll dive into another Psalm of David. Thanks for joining us today. I find no hope within to call my own For I am frail of heart My strength is gone But deep within my soul is rising up a song here in the comfort of the faithful one. I walk a narrow road through valleys deep in search of higher ground on mountains steep and
Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.